Well, good morning, Victory family and friends. Psalms 118 and 24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made, and we do rejoice, and we are glad in it. My name is Paul. I'm privileged to serve as pastor of Victory Church of Charlottesville, where we exist to see people reconciled to God and to each other. If you've been with us throughout the month of August, I think that's the month we're in, we've been focusing on the book of Philippians. Um, and this morning, we're going to take a look at chapter 3, and there's so much here, so we're going to jump in. Turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians, which is in the Newer Testament, uh, chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 21, the entire chapter, and verse 1 of the fourth chapter. So we're going to sneak into, into next week's uh, conversation a little bit. And as you're looking for that, uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We pray according to your word. Psalm 119 and 18 says, open up our eyes so that we may see all of the wonderful things in your law illuminate for us this morning that which you want to drop the 18 inches from our head to our heart and be applied to our lives in real ways in Jesus' name we pray amen psalm excuse me philippians chapter 3 uh, we'll begin reading at the first verse this is the apostle paul writing to the church at philippi further my brothers and sisters rejoice in the lord it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 15 says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently that God, that to God will make clear to you, only let us live up to what we already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. 
And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And so for the next 25 uh, minutes, I want to just speak from uh, the title of this message, which is My Country Tis of Thee. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. I don't know about you, but that takes me right back to fifth grade chorus uh, with Miss Butts, I believe her name was. Um, the song written by Samuel Francis Smith while studying at Andover Theological Seminary was his desire to pay a peaceful homage to our nation. And I imagine that the words of this song, My Country Tis of Thee, uh, resonates differently just depending on the listener. And while I won't attempt to go through every possible reaction or response, I will say, uh, I think it's safe to say, that for some it provokes pride for, other, for others, it provokes pain. And the tension for those of us who call Jesus Christ Lord, and I would just insert parenthetically as we read the word of God, find the tension point. Find where God is speaking particularly to you and how for you there may be an incredible opportunity to follow him better. And so the tension point for us that call Jesus Christ Lord is that regardless of whether or not that song provokes pride or pain, that we are to remember that our citizenship is in heaven, that we are sojourners here, that we're on assignment, just like Apostle Paul. This time he's on assignment uh, uh, from prison where he's writing this letter to the church of Philippi from. And, uh, and, and while my presentation this, this morning, if I could step back for a minute, it will likely be a bit more narrative than usual, uh, uh, just given the breadth of what's covered here. I do want to uh, pinpoint or anchor maybe a few points uh, that I hope all of us will ponder as we walk through this chapter. And I trust the Lord has already illuminated for you as you've been reading uh, on your own throughout this month. But these four thoughts, these four, um, in some cases, questions uh, are, one, are we there yet? Two, be an emissary. Three, we ain't from around here. And four, while we are here, stand firm. Now, I know we're used to the TV screens posting them, so I'll say them all again so we can get them down on paper. And of course, we'll have it posted on our mobile app uh, as soon as we can. The Apostle Paul is opening up this third chapter by reinforcing what he uh, essentially said in the second chapter, that they should rejoice in the Lord, that there's reason, regardless of their circumstances, and by extension our circumstances, to still be glad in God. And as I've said at Victory Church many times, this does not mean that we minimize nor ignore the, the, the difficult circumstances in life that we endure. This pandemic is hard. The loss of life, 
that as a country we've experienced is difficult. And, and, and for those of us who have experienced the, the, the personal connection, those loss, uh, losses of life that were really close to us, it's, it's hard. Health challenges are real. Racism is traumatic. Financial troubles, hard. Not being able to provide for yourself or your family in the ways you've previously done. And if you have a job dealing with the unnecessary trauma and having to do extra and again, unnecessary emotional labor, nobody's throwing parties, if you will, over the circumstances necessarily. In fact, there may be some very real anger associated with them. But when we look to the hills, as the psalmist does in Psalm 121, we look beyond the hills from where our help comes from, we can be glad that our help comes from he who doesn't know how to fail. He who still sits on the throne. He whose peace can guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, whose unspeakable joy can be real, even as we simultaneously grieve real life. And this isn't just some fancy reframe, if you will. There, there's, a, uh, there's a show on Netflix called Married at First Sight. Uh, I'm sure none of y'all watch it. So, uh, but there's a show on Netflix called Married at First Sight, and they are so happy, uh, many of them, to be married. Some of them waited for a long time. They each had their respective stories. And so even as some of them, if you're, wa if you're watching, you kind of notice some of them are starting to grieve who they're married to. They, they kind of quickly reframe, but I'm married. I'm here. I'm here. And for some, you can really tell that, that the thrill of being married is, 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 is quickly reckoning with the reality of not really being sure they like who they married. This, in the body of Christ, this isn't just fancy reframing. We don't just say God is good because it's, it's convenient and, and, and a, a, a nice catchphrase. We're not just infatuated, if you will, with Jesus. I would guess that many of us have been through some stuff. We've lived a little life. We've gone through and have seen and experienced the joy of the Lord being our strength. And so the Apostle Paul here says, as he sits in prison, mind you, to rejoice. There's reason still to rejoice. And then he goes on further. He says, and there's no reason, no need rather to pretend like it's all about us as if we are, are, are so good. He, he says, don't, don't get it twisted in, in so many words. The source of my joy is, and our joy, is Christ Jesus. So watch out, verse 2 says. Watch out for the super saints. Watch out for the religious busybodies, as the message version of the Bible says. Those interested merely in appearances. And then when he goes on to talk about the mutilators of the flesh, he's referencing those who are so concerned about physical circumcision, as, the, as were the Jews in that day, that they missed the, the, the greater and, and more important point of circumcision of the heart. Good reference scripture that I'll read, I think, is, is Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 through 16. I'll just go ahead and read those verses. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Verse 16 says, circumcise your hearts, therefore. Do not be stiff-necked any longer. 
So don't be cons so, so consumed with the, the letter of the law that we miss the important heart change that God wants to do. And if there's anyone, as Paul says, who could boast in their flesh and how they maintain the letter of the law, it would be him. He was that guy. Growing up in New York on the basketball court, there were many uh, who talked a lot of trash. And so while they were hitting you with a crossover or even dunking on you, some of the trash talk might have been, oh, he must not know who I am. Somebody tell this man, let him know he's trying too hard to guard me. He just can't. Somebody let him know who I am. Paul says, listen, I am that guy. I was circumcised on the eighth day. You better go and talk to somebody. A member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Google me. Google me, Chuck, as Shaquille O'Neal says. I'm a Hebrew, born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Do you know who I am? For you and me, it could and this isn't exhaustive, it could sound like this. My daddy's a pastor. My daddy's daddy's a pastor. My, my uncle and aunts, they are pastors. Uh, I'm an ordained deacon. My small group multiplied two times in one semester. I've been married 50 years. My kids actually like me. I got 33 degrees. I give to every single charity. I've got perfect attendance in church, all of which are good, great even. But when put into perspective, Apostle Paul is saying, we count it all as loss in favor of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. Everything we thought we had going for us is insignificant. It's garbage. One version said dung in comparison to our embracing Christ and our being embraced by Christ. In other words, these things don't make us righteous, Paul is saying. They are, or at least should be, extensions, though, of our being made right by the, by the overwhelming, the song says, the never-ending, the reckless love of God who sent his son Jesus to endure immense pain that we should have endured, to die a death we should have died in our place. I just want to know Jesus better, Apostle Paul is saying. I want to be a fully acquainted with his nature, with his character, I want to really know the power of his resurrection, which, yes, speaks to the dead in Christ rising when he comes back in the rapture, but also has relevance in the here and now. In our marriages, in our finances, in our relationships, in our jobs, in our health, in our faith. Second Corinthians one and five says, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Truth be told, many of us would like to reign with him, but have difficulty, maybe want no parts of suffering with him. We want to put on the crown of glory, but the crown of thorns, eh, I'll pass. <laughs> we want to put on the robe of splendor to be worn in heaven, but the robe of contempt and mockery, no thank you. But not Paul, and not the message then he's conveying to the church at Philippi and by extension to you and me. He wanted in all things to be just like Christ. And he says this also in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection 
like his. So the Apostle Paul, he he counts all this other stuff that in appearance might seem like righteousness as loss so that his heart can be genuinely circumcised and worked on so that he so that we can reflect him better. How about you and me in that regard? Last week, we said about our walk of faith that it's all counterintuitive. We lose our life in order to gain it. When we when we finally lift up our hands and, and surrender to Jesus, that's when life really begins. That's when peace can really be ushered in. When we give up our will in exchange for his, that's when freedom really begins, which makes no sense in the natural, except that our Bible that we believe is the inspired word of God, 2 Timothy 3 and 16, says... It also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So the Apostle Paul is urging the folks at Philippi to really embrace this. And so the first thing that, the first pointed thing, if you will, that I want us to reflect on is, are we there yet? The spoiler alert is, no, we are not. After Paul delivers his, do you know who I am, sort of speech, he then makes sure that he is not being misunderstood. Verse 12, he says, I'm not there, haven't arrived, but I'm pressing forward, forgetting what's behind me in the sense that nothing, not even the good things he's accomplished, and certainly not the painful things that could discourage him, nothing is going to distract him from what is yet to be accomplished. And the same then should apply with you and with me. Which isn't to say, caveat, that those things that might encourage us by looking back, to remember that he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, there's absolutely proper regard for what God has done in our lives, but let it not divert our attention. As grateful as I am that Victory Church is now here, the years of prayer and thought and planning, Victory Church was planted, launched our weekly services in January 2019. Hallelujah, place a memorial stone there to remember what God has done. Yes, I'm grateful. Grateful that we've engaged these difficult conversations around race in the church. Absolutely. And as I told our team a few weeks ago when we finished the Color of Compromise book study, or last week even, place some memorial stones there. Let's remember that which God has done for us in this moment. Yes, we can remember, but are we there yet? No, no, no. We have so much work still to do. And verse 13 of our text says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, as I am today, we got work to do. But as I alluded to earlier, there is always a tension point. And I encourage you, as I said before, when you study the Bible, find that tension point. Drill down, if you will, to where those tension points are in your life so that there can be some movement. Our youngest child, who's four now, when she gets into her car seat, she says, Mommy, Daddy, I got this. <laughs> Let me put on my own, my own seatbelt. And so we've learned to leave like an hour early so she can have some autonomy in putting on her seatbelt. But every now and then she'll bring some extra toys into the car. More than we said that she should. She'll, she'll grab a bunch of them. And, and so she has them all in her hands while she's also trying to buckle the seat. And so as you might imagine, it doesn't happen. It doesn't, doesn't happen. In fact, she's, 
She's trying, she's pressing, if you will, but she's got too much else in her hands that are distracting and disrupting the one thing that she needs to focus on. One of the things I've noticed over time is that we can say we're pressing forward. We can even mean it when we say it. We, for example, want racial reconciliation. We want to be a better parent. We want to be a better spouse. We want to be a, a better employer. We want to be a better friend. We want to be a part of all of this progress toward those ends. But there's a whole lot of stuff in our hands that we're carrying with us that needs to be left behind if we are really, in fact, going to move forward. We don't have the time this morning to explicate all of the things in detail that that might be, but pride is always a really good place to start. So the Apostle Paul says in verses 15 and 16 of this chapter 3, keep moving. Keep asking God to illuminate. There will be points of disagreement. Ask God to illuminate further his word to you and then do what you already know. Live up to what we have already attained. And then the Apostle Paul goes on and he says, follow my example. He echoes a sentiment that he writes, his, writes to the church at Colossae in Colossians 3, 2, which says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. In other words, recognize that your citizenship is in heaven. Point two, be an emissary. Be an emissary. An emissary is a representative sent on a mission. And what's important to note here is that this heavenly citizenship that Paul is speaking about stands in stark contrast to the, the very prized Roman citizenship of the colony of Philippi. We talked a little bit about that on the first Sunday of this month. There was the strong, almost dangerously placed reverence for the country. And Paul is saying, watch out for that. Don't get all caught up in who you think you are and how much power you think you have and how great you think you are. Don't get beside yourself with what you think you've done on your own what you think you've been successful at. Don't miss that you are on assignment here. You are an emissary of the kingdom of God. So go ahead, saying my country tis of thee, but know where your citizenship really is. Carefully consider the lens through which you even speak about your experience here, which leads to the third point. We ain't from around here. 1997. As I near a close, I, I came here from New York, here being Charlottesville, a student at the University of Virginia, moving into Fitzhugh dorm, the best new dorm out there. Made some friends here at UVA and in the community, found my barber Mel pretty quickly. We've stayed friends for years uh, through basketball in the community. And, and oftentimes, particularly in the community, they'd often say as I started to talk, you ain't from around here, are you? And I would say, nah, son, I'm from New York. <laughs> I didn't really say it like that, but, you know, I had a little more New York accent, if you want to call it that, when I came here than I do now. Some of my friends, in fact, call me a fraud now that I'm truly a Virginian. But anyways, even though I was living here, it was very clear what my permanent address was. And I just wonder when we're going about our daily lives, our business, our jobs, our families and relationships, encountering the things that we encounter, challenges and so forth in our communities, do people ever stop and say, you ain't from around here, are you? you? You didn't just cuss that person out like you really should. You really should have, and I know like I would have. You ain't really from around here. Because you had every opportunity to cheat on your taxes and not get caught. And you knew how to do it, but you didn't go there. 
You ain't from around here. What do you mean you've been faithful to your spouse? All of your travels and the many folks tugging on you and all you do is talk about how much you love your wonderful spouse of however many years. You ain't from around here. What's wrong with you? My prayer for Victory Church of Charlottesville as we pursue this vision of being reconciled to God and each other is for our community here in Charlottesville and beyond to say, okay, I see y'all partnering with different organizations in town and, and broadly and doing some amazing work in this community, but, but you ain't from around here. You're not just some organization doing community service, though that be good. There's something else on you. Something different. You're not just buying houses to rent out to people to just be good. No, there's something bigger going on. Where are you from? Who are you repping, if you will? And our absolute pleasure, of course, will be to not throw away our shot. Hamilton references whenever I can. Shout it from the rooftop that Jesus Christ, the author, the finisher of our faith, he is our home. We ain't from around here. Now, because he's our home, we acknowledge the real experience here on earth that we do have, and we meet those experiences where they are, i.e., we're not colorblind. We don't have time. But we are ultimately emissaries for the kingdom of God. It also doesn't mean, side note, that we get beside ourselves and think we're better than anybody else because we are not. Our righteousness, Scripture says, is as filthy rags. Everything about who we are and how we are and whatever power we get to be conduits of is coming from our Heavenly Father. Here the bigger point. Our mission is different. And so, last point as we close, while we are here, stand firm. I often think about those who have gone before me, particularly my ancestors, um, and particularly so in recent months. And I just marvel at the persistence in a world that placed zero value on their lives. And as I often ponder such dynamics, I think about many of the African-American spirituals like Steal Away or Swing Low Sweet Chariot, and it just moves me in inarticulable ways because there was this tenacious faith that made them look beyond this world and toward heaven in eager anticipation of our Savior's return, as the Apostle Paul says in our text in verse 20, and pressed to see heaven come here. Just as we pray in our Lord's Prayer, let your will be done in on earth as it is in heaven. And even when they could have taken the crumbs, if you will, from the fraudulent compromise, they didn't. When some made it out, if you will, could have gone on about their business. They said, no, nah, the job's not done. We need to now stand firm for those who haven't found their footing yet. There are more to be freed. Their citizenship was in heaven, but while they were here, they stood firm. Just as the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church at Philippi, and by extension us to do in chapter 4, verse 1. And victory family and friends... Once we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, our citizenship status changes. We now carry the hope of glory on the inside of us. We are saved immediately from the penalty of sin, also known as justification. 
And throughout our life, it's the work is always happening. We are going through the process of sanctification in that we are being saved from the power of sin. Each day, there's more salvific work to be done on the inside of me and you and us as a community. And certainly we all look forward to the day when we will be saved from the presence of sin, also known as glorification. But while we're here, stand firm. Even though the value ascribed to your life pales in comparison to the true value God places on your life, while we're here, stand firm. Even when family and friends may forsake you for wanting to bear the complete image of God here in the earth, while we are here, family, let's stand firm. My country, tis of thee. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being an emissary of the kingdom of God where our citizenship truly rests. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. We thank you for what you are doing on the hearts of all of us listening and reading on our own outside of this space. As you illuminate your word to us, may we draw nearer to you. May your word do as only it can do, like a surgeon's scalpel cut where it needs to cut, but do so in a way that brings healing, that brings wholeness, that brings more productivity, and ultimately, Lord, that, 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 that just improves our worship to you, our reasonable service, presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you. And for those listening who have yet to say yes to you, who have yet to exchange their will for you, if you're listening and if that is you, today's a great day to make a great decision. No, the life isn't storm free after accepting Jesus, but it is storm proof. Storm proof in ways that are supernatural. And so if you're listening and want to Make a change, and by make a change, by no means am I saying you make the change, except that you just yield to Jesus for him to make the change. Just pray this prayer with me. Lord, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and I commit to following you with all of my heart. I want to be your emissary. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, we are delighted to serve in this capacity, and I invite you to serve because all of us have been given a unique grace to do just that. And so I invite you, even as we look forward as a church family, to small groups that will be kicking off on September 13th, 13th to, to, to connect with us. You'll see some links there in the chat where you can do so um, to let us know ways that we can pray for you. Um, and if it is meant for you to connect further with us as a, uh, a church community, um, to take a look at our YouTube page to learn more about who we are and who we believe God's called us to be here in the earth. Um, and with that, I'll say, let's live in victory. And the only way I know to do that uh, is by coming to the altar every single day. And so as we close, I want to play for you our amazing worship team that I miss so much hearing in person, uh, their arrangement of come to the altar. Love you, family. Have a blessed day.